welcome to the JGUA Financial Commentary Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Barron, and in this episode, I talk to Sarah Collier about money, lifestyle balance, and enjoying life now and preparing for later. But before we begin, a short disclaimer. The contents of this podcast are strictly for informational purposes only, and nothing said should be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. Any strategies discussed may not be suitable for listeners specifically, and JGUA encourages consulting with your advisor before implementing any strategies to ensure they meet your individual objectives. At JGUA, we primarily work with families. So what that means is even if only one member of the household has an account with us, the family unit of spouse, kids, and grandkids has the opportunity to be incorporated and become clients as well. A lot of what we're going to discuss today might be more centered around these younger generations, kind of early in their careers, maybe just beginning, just to get that out of the way. And with that, Sarah, what can you do with money? There's basically two things you can do with money. Either spend it or also consumption, or you save it. It's really important to build savings. Whether you're saving a small amount every paycheck or saving your bonuses, especially if you are someone who is likely to be spending what they have in their checking account. You know, we have the debit cards and makes it very easy to just ring up and walk out with whatever you decide to buy at Target for that day. So having savings automatically come out of your checking account, right out of your paycheck can be really beneficial to establish that habit. I wanted to go back to that word you used at the beginning, consumption. I think that's a really good word because it incorporates some of the things. If you just say spending, you think of your regular bills and things like that. But consumption, think about the big picture, all the things that come out of your pocket that you don't necessarily have accounted for, the budget items that are miscellaneous at the end of the month. I think it's a good point about segmenting different types of savings. Um, it's especially early out, you're, you're told that you need to have all this money in retirement and you need to start saving now, but it can be hard just because when you're first starting your career, there's lots of costs that are you've kind of paid for when you're more established in your middle and late career. Exactly. And I find that a lot of clients, you know, especially if you're early in your career, you're not going to be retiring for another 20, 30, maybe 40 years, depending on how old you are and telling them that they need to have a decent retirement life can be very overwhelming to someone very young, especially when it's more about tangible items versus the long-term goals. Maybe not necessarily less important, but it's a little less material for them. I also wanted to emphasize what you said about the habit of saving. Until you've really grown you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you really don't see investment performance having as much effect as the actual savings habit itself. Uh, and you can just think about this mathematically. If you only have $1,000, how hard is it to save $1,000? Over a course of a year, let's say, it's, it's really not that much money. It's less than $100 a month. If we're talking about $10 million, it's really hard to save $10 million all at once, right? So the scale really matters a lot. You could have 100% performance investment, but 
on a small amount of money, it's really not going to matter as much as having that much larger amount. At our firm, our minimum investment is 250000 because the way we invest, we feel that's the minimum amount we can show our value with our investment philosophy. Let's get back into consumption a little bit, though. You want to talk about budgets? Yeah. So when it comes to budgeting and saving for financial goals, it really is a lot about the individual psyche as it is about the numbers. As a financial advisor, of course, the first thing we do is we ask for the numbers and put together a nice fancy spreadsheet and we show it to our clients and having the conversations with our client and figuring out where we can coach them so that way they can eventually reach their goals. And there's kind of two different schools of thought. There's the live wealthy today because you don't know what tomorrow will bring and the live life frugally and save for tomorrow. They both have pros and cons. Living wealthy for today places an emphasis on enjoying yourself in the present, which can be good for your overall well-being. However, can be very detrimental to your future by putting yourself in a position to incur debt, the inability to cover emergency expenses, and unfortunately prolong your plans for retirement. By saving for tomorrow, this has a really good strive in trying to plan ahead and put you in a good position financially in the future. But for many, this can be very difficult and overwhelming, especially if you're looking at it to the extreme where someone's trying to save all of their money. And prior to, there was someone who was spending all of their money. So they're trying to go from one extreme to the other. And it's not good necessarily for the individual's mental health. So there's really a balance that has to be done. Budgets are a lot like diets. There are so many different diets out there, but you have to really look at the individual to see which diet is going to fit them. So when it comes to creating a budget, there really should be an individualized budget. Everybody has their bad habits that need to be trimmed. It should be incorporated into that plan, but that plan should also emphasize on their good habits. So it's just trying to figure out a way to take all those different components of a budget and a good financial health so the client feels confident in what they're trying to accomplish with their new budget. The common example of not buying the coffee, but it unfortunately oversimplifies the actual living of a life. The example commonly is put where a $5 cup of coffee over 20 working days a month times 12 months is about $1,200 a year. Saving from zero, adding $100 a month with a 5% return, that person would accumulate $153,237.86 over 40 years. The coffee example, unfortunately, fails to consider two other assets, time and mental health. And this kind of leads to the idea of it's okay to enjoy the small pleasures. It's okay to enjoy that cup of coffee once in a while. It's okay to get an order of takeout once in a while, especially if you're having that crazy day. And knowing that you're that type of person, incorporating those days into your budget is really good for your mental health, but also it will help you take ownership and control over your budget. I like how you said that. Kind of in the same thought, for people who 
do spend a lot or feel like they're disorganized with their finances, there can be a lot of pressure that you need to suddenly you know, change your ways and be this different person. And that can be very overwhelming. One of the things we as planners do a good job of is taking priorities and taking it a step at a time to make it bite-sized and manageable for clients. Exactly. I think trying to make it as manageable as possible, even if they have that large ticket item that they spend like a monthly subscription on, when you look at the overall budget, maybe that's something to slim and we figure out something else that they can do, you know, if they're looking for exercise, maybe instead of using the Peloton, they go for walks. I think it is also important to look at some of your larger ticket items. So your rent, maybe you're spending too much on rent in that particular area that the client's living in and trying to find a way to not sacrifice their lifestyle, but finding a location that might saving them $100 a month and then use that savings, I say in quote, to then fund their actual savings account to build up their emergency fund or for a larger purchase for their retirement or other individual portfolios. I agree with everything you just said. Things like housing, those big ticket items are clearly bigger money pits, so to speak, than getting those coffees. Exactly. Finding rent that's $100 cheaper, I'd rather see you do that than sacrifice your monthly coffee habit because you know it's you don't want your quality of life being too different, uh, especially all at once. There are obviously some people that <laughs> can be extremely frugal, and you know there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that if they're happy. But I think as humans, we can kind of regret and feel miserable for you know punishing ourselves. You don't want to take too much away from yourself. I guess is my point. <laughs> right. There's a there's a happy medium that I feel like a majority of individuals fall into. Because you're right. There are some people who are very frugal and they enjoy being frugal. They take pride in that. And that's great. But then there's individuals who go to the other extreme and you know, sometimes we're working with those individuals and and trying to help them reach those goals by slimming down their consumption. In some of our other podcasts, I think with Nora and maybe John, talk about showing value over a lifetime. And that's another thing where anyone who has some good math skills can do a rough napkin math financial plan. But evaluating what you want to accomplish over a lifetime, it changes. I think a lot of people understand when you first retire, you have some go-go years where you can really take advantage of things that you couldn't do when you were working, but that isn't permanent. You're not going to spend the remainder of your life with that capacity. So getting, let's say, bucket list level things done and then moving on to more legacy plannings types items, that's where I think we help a lot and really brings the value of having a relationship with a financial planner. Right. I think that's a good point to hit on because when it comes to saving, there's different pockets within that. You have your above monthly average expenses. So when people get married or, you know, gifts, holidays, vacations, especially when you're first starting out, even your monthly utilities, you know, certain times in the summer, you're going to be spending a lot more on utilities versus the fall or the spring. So that's one thing you have to think about the short term. You have your emergency savings for your unexpected accidents and unemployment. 
But then you go on to some of your larger purchases, you know, a new house, a car. And oftentimes when you're working, you're going to want to put some money away. You know, you might have a couple of years where you're starting to save a little less on retirement. So maybe instead of maxing out your 401k, you take some of that money and instead put it towards a new roof on your house or new siding, home improvements and investing in your property. And that's important for when you move into retirement, you're at least paying for continual upkeep while you're working. And then when you retire, you can use the money that you've saved for retirement for enjoying your retirement instead of having to use it for maintenance. And I think also another thing to think about is getting rich is not the goal. It's not ascertainable. It's not a number. It really is about the lifestyle and the experiences that one enjoys. And there are people out there that that is their goal is to get rich. But it's our job as the financial advisor to really hone down, well, what really is your goal? Is your goal mostly to retire to Florida or is it to have this largest state, you know, trying to hone in on those and looking at what the type of luxuries they might want, you know, now and into the retirement as well. You want to talk more about different levels of saving just because you'll hear have six months of emergency funds and then have X level salary in your retirement account at certain ages. And then in real life, how life gets in the way, emergencies do pop up. And maybe the, the day you finally get to that number you were looking for in your savings account, you get hit by a big emergency and you're back to zero. I mean, I think when it comes to those bumps in the road, always keep your goal in mind, but also realize that it's not going to be perfect. You're going to find some months where you might, quote, fail. That's normal. Of course, if you're finding yourself fail month to month, those are when you need to really look at your plan and reassess. You know, if you, for example, finding having to spend a lot of money on your vehicle because it's breaking down, well, maybe you should reassess your priorities financially and see if you can buy a newer vehicle because most likely if you're spending a lot on maintenance, you probably have an older vehicle you fail your plan once in a while, think about how you can fix it. What I like to encourage individuals is don't get discouraged on when your plan does fall. Really think about what financial aspects you have going for yourself. And I do this myself. Think about your credit score. You have maybe in the last couple months, you've really boosted your savings or your You've increased your retirement savings deferral, and then think about how you can fix the failure. So if you had to take out $1,000 for a major car repair, maybe over the next year, you put an extra $50 or $100 per paycheck back into your savings account to replenish it. It might take a while, but at least it's a way for you to mentally think about, okay, this is what I'm doing to replenish this instead of thinking of, oh gosh, I messed up. I'm back to square one. One more thing on that, especially let's say the younger generations with debt. Debt is held in such a stigma that I think a lot of people have the mentality that they need to just take 
every extra dollar and put it towards their debt. But long-term or maybe even short-term, this isn't quite a good strategy just because, like I said earlier, life happens. And if every little emergency you're unprepared and you're putting it back onto a credit card, it doesn't really matter if you're paying off every extra dollar, if you're always up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah, I think the the debt analogy is huge because you really have to look at what the interest rate is. I think that's the big part. If you have a large chunk of debt, which to a young professional, let's say if it's $100,000, that might feel like a lot of debt on that individual's shoulders. Depending on the individual, it might not make sense for them to try and pay down that debt as quick as possible. And it might make more sense for them to start putting away money in their savings account exactly for the point that you made. That if an emergency were to happen, yes, your debt's paid down, but how are you going to pay for your trip to the emergency or for buying a new vehicle because unfortunately your vehicle was totaled? Those are all things to really think about. And you know, debt's not necessarily a bad thing, especially with school loans. As long as you're making the minimum payment, and occasionally trying to make additional payments when it's financially makes sense, then that's fine, having that debt there. Um, but if you have debt, for example, credit card debt that has an interest rate of 20%, you'd really want to talk with a financial advisor in trying to accelerate paying down that debt because having that debt is going to cost you much more with interest charges in the short term, that you could be using that money for groceries or putting gas in your vehicle. So it's really hard to say whether or not having that debt is a good or a bad thing. You have to really look at the type of debt it is and how it's going to benefit the individual with paying it down either way. For those that are stretched so thin that they really don't have anywhere to save, how can they save in the future? If you're someone who finds it right now currently difficult to contribute to a savings account, things you can consider are if you were to get a raise or a bonus, you can contribute to a savings. And also, depending on what your income tax return looks like, you can use some of that refund to fund your savings account. Thank you for being part of this, Sarah. You're welcome. Thank you so much for including me. It was great to be on. We went through a lot of information on this. If you want to check out our additional content, please follow us on social media or check out our website. And thank you to all of our listeners. Until next time, everyone, stay smart.